0: Hi, this is Bob, and today I have an interview with Spell. Spell is from Canada, and they've released their fourth full-length album called Tragic Magic. This is one you certainly don't want to miss. And here is my interview with Spell. Hello, my friend.
1: Hey, Robert, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I Fantastic. wanted to thank you. I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me today.
1: Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad we were able to connect.
0: I wanted to talk about the recording process for Tragic Magic. How did it go?
1: It was a lot of fun. We were back at our favorite studio, Little Red Sounds, with our good friend, producer Felix Fung. And uh, as usual, we did things the hard way. We, uh, we don't use a lot, of, you know, a lot of fancy modern editing. We don't use any kind of pitch correction, auto-tuning, or you know, beat mapping, any stuff like that. We just kind of play the parts over and over until we get it right. And sometimes it is really difficult and takes a long time. But that's what we believe in.
0: Well, I think that it credits to the great sound of the album. It has a definite live feel to it. Thank you. I also wanted to ask you if you could talk about Ultraviolet.
1: Uh, sure. The the which part of it? The lyrics, um, or the, or the riffs, or what are you thinking?
0: I, all around. I that's my favorite track on the album. Oh, cool,
1: cool. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, so. Uh, that was one of the one of the earlier ones that I wrote for the for the album, and uh, I came in with the with the first riff, the intro riff, and me and Al just were were kind of just jamming on it together in the jam space, and then I kind of came up with the with the um, actually the bass line for the verses, and it just kind of it came together pretty quickly. It was a lot of fun to write. Um, the lyrics for that one are kind of another angle for me on the the broader theme of the album, which is tragic magic. It's it's about um, the the various powers. Which affect our lives, but which are totally outside of our control. Um, in this case, um, I'm using sort of a metaphor of uh, ultraviolet light being something that, you know, both simultaneously, we, the whole world, you know, needs to survive. If it wasn't for the sunlight, you know, everything would die. But also, it it kills us. It it burns us. It it's kind of it's kind of sure. this terrifying, uh, almost f- magical feeling thing to me. I like the idea of there being this huge spectrum of light. Um, that exists undoubtedly, but that we are we can never see because of the limitations of our physical eyeballs. Uh, but it's out there, you know, it affects everything. Um, and so it just got, got me thinking about what other powers might be at play constantly that we simply lack the equipment to observe. And so that's kind of what the song's about in a broader sense.
0: And the one of my favorites is Cruel Optimism.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I like that one too. Um, that song, is, is about it's well it's kind of about how uh i suddenly feel sort of old you know i mean i'm not that old i'm in my mid-30s but it just feels like you know all of a sudden you know my my, my 20s just flew by and you know next thing you know i'm they're well in the rear view mirror and it, it i look around me and i see all my you know all my a lot of my friends and my peers who are kind of you know having kids or they have uh you know kind of grown-up jobs or they have you know they've bought they've bought themselves homes, things like that, which are uh, nowhere near <laughs> uh, nothing that I'm approaching. <laughs> um, right. And it just kind of started me thinking about the, you know, the path I've put myself on predominantly because of, uh, you know, the, the heavy metal and the the art that I've pursued and just kind of how, you know, because of these choices, um, I've limited a lot of what I can do in the future. Uh, you know, a lot of the options I have right now, um, and it, 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 the, the term cruel optimism itself, it, for me, it's kind of about this uh, sort of death-defying optimism that I've always had, this kind of almost insane optimism to keep putting all of my resources into music, um, just optimistic that it might, you know, somehow uh, have a great result. You know, the, the ultimate result for me is just, you know, the, the pride of knowing that it's out there and hearing that people are enjoying it. But beyond that, you know, it, it would be nice, obviously, to have some sort of slight financial return or, or something like that, um, just to allow me to continue living. So ju- the song is kind of just about this sort of um, <laughs> brain dead optimism that's caused me to continue putting all of my resources into art um, at the expense of basically uh, everything else in my life. So that's kind of the, the cruel side of it, that you know now that I can see that uh, my much of my youth is behind me, um, I realize that it's somewhat a, a cruel joke that I've played on myself. <laughs> And that's the way it is.
0: Sure. And it's uh <laughs> it's almost funny at times because uh people approach me and say, Oh, your podcast is successful. Um you must be rolling in it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's man, all- with music. you know.
1: we never made a cent off spell. I mean, you know, obviously we make a few bucks and we sell a record or a t shirt, but Way, way more money goes into, you know, the recording process and, you know, the, the rehearsal rooms and, you know, keeping our instruments in tune and all the basic stuff. You know, it's, it's a it's not about money for us. We if we had any sense, we'd have quit decades ago. <laughs>
0: I also want to ask you, um, what tracks were the most musically challenging for you?
1: Uh, I guess actually Cruel Optimism. It was the one that we sort of I don't know why, but it kind of took us the longest. Um, just to get, because the whole song is kind of built on these sort of specific grooves that really have to line up with the guitar and drums and bass or else mm-hmm. it'll fall apart. Uh, on this album, we we spent a lot more time thinking about specific things like that rather than kind of just mashing, mashing through like we might have done when we were much younger. Um, we really focused down on, you know, making sure that every single note, you know, every single kick drum hit lines up with the right bass note on the bass guitar and all that all that little stuff. Um I don't know we just we we felt like fine tuning it uh, these small details might be each one of them might be quite small but if um when you, when you add them all up it makes a big difference actually Ronnie James Dio once uh, personally told me as he hugged me uh it's the little things that make the big difference
0: that's a true story Sure <laughs> And what a great man he was
1: what A great I man remember. he was truly
0: I uh remember him uh being up in Cleveland unfortunately the place that, that he had booked made all these promises and didn't have half the means he needed to put on a show. Ah, oh, jeez. So, uh, there I am. It's canceled. So I said, well, I'm going to the bar. I'm here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so I sat down the bar and luckily enough, he sat next to me. And No we way!
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah, we talked for like 20 minutes and then just like you guys just sitting talking music, you know?
1: Yep. He was really down to earth. Uh, that's that's a really cool story. I love hearing that. Uh, I met him when I, uh, he was on the Heaven and Hell tour in, uh, I think, 2009, maybe, or something like that. Uh, maybe, it must have been earlier than that. I don't know, whenever it was. Uh, we saw the show, and then uh, my friend and I waited out in the rain for about, I don't know, two hours or so after the show. And eventually, he just came walking right out in the pissing rain and, and just chatted with us for a while and gave us hugs and uh it was fantastic felt like i was meeting my long-lost grandpa
0: yeah <laughs> i also wanted to ask you if you could speak on the album artwork and the artist that was
1: involved sure yeah you bet uh i won't try to pronounce his name because my polish is not that hot but um man we, we spent a lot of time uh looking for appropriate album art and you know I, I like the idea of commissioning new uh you know fresh original modern art but um there's a bookstore in town called McLeod's Books, and it's got this huge uh, basement. You have to get special permission to go in it, and um, it's just like the whole underside of the entire building. It's quite large, and there's just piles and piles of you know tens of thousands of books, not cataloged in any way, just in stacks, and they've been that way for for you know for decades and decades. And um, I, I used to work in a bookshop for seven years, so I, I've gotten to know the guy there a little bit, and he'll let me down there if I ask him nicely and uh, so sometimes me and Al will go down there and just spend like a whole day just rooting through it and looking for art books and looking for weird stuff. I mean, Al did his degree in art history, we both love visual art uh, as well as of course you know musical art, but uh, we were just just rooting around in there and um, all of a sudden I came across this painting and you know neither of us had ever heard of it before, um, but it just completely captured me immediately and so I did a little research uh, and I read the story behind it and the story behind it completely blew me away. Uh, so apparently the artist um, spent years working on this and he considered it his masterpiece. And um, when he finally uh, showed it to the public at the first uh, showing, it was just ripped apart by critics. They hated it and uh, it crushed him. And so he ended up, believe it or not, he ended up sloshing the painting with a knife and then uh, and then killing himself. And... Um, yeah, and then uh, the the painting was was repaired uh, so we can see it today. But man, if that's not tragic magic, then I don't know what is because it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, and just the you know the the relationship between that you know that horse in its complete frenzy or ecstasy or terror uh, in relation to the the I don't know the the spirit or nymph lady that's riding it uh, oh. also it could be alternately interpreted I think as kind of a riffing on the uh, witch's sabbath uh you know if the horse was maybe a goat or something like that it would be very similar so it just it just kind of connected with us in all these ways It it connected for me with the kind of um beauty and tragedy that had come together to create the um uh, you know the sort of theme of a lot of our songs so as soon as i saw it i was like that's that's the perfect thing um and then i couldn't believe that it hadn't i've since discovered that it actually was used on a on an album years ago, but it was flipped in reverse. So when I did a a Google reverse image search, nothing turned up. Um, So, but anyhow, I was surprised to see that it had never been used as album art. Uh, And so we were (laughs) really excited to have discovered it.
0: Absolutely. I also wanted to ask you, uh, what can fans look for next from the band?
1: Will will you tour? Yeah, so we have, so of course we recorded the album as a two piece, Mm. just me and my brother Al. But we have since uh, got some new band members that we we're really excited about playing with. Um, we've, we, For many years, we were a three-piece, but we've expanded to be a four-piece band. Uh, we've got a couple of new pals joining us. We've got um, Jeff Black, who also plays in the Vancouver-based um, epic metal band Gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. He's going to be joining us on lead guitar. And we've got our good friend Gabriel on uh, guitars and, and synthesizers. He, he plays in the local um, goth post-punk band called Girlfriends and Boyfriends. Um, which records the same studio as us. And we got to know him a little bit that way, but he ended up also playing uh, synthesizers on tragic magic. So uh, we've been rehearsing with them and man, it's tons of fun. We're going to be playing at a few festivals, a couple of them, I guess only one of them has been announced so far. Hell's heroes in Texas, but there's also going to be a few more that I don't think I'm allowed to announce yet, but I wish I could, but uh, we'll be, we'll be, uh, we'll be on both sides of the Atlantic uh, in the next year. So uh, look out.
0: That's great. And I also want to ask you, um, we spoke a little bit about um, the time you had this band together. I want to ask you, um, what do you feel uh, beyond that uh, sense of crazy is the key to longevity in the business?
1: Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, the, I, it's always been kind of my angle, I guess, is longevity. I see so many bands that kind of, you know, release one album and burn themselves out. You know, okay, here's my answer. I think the key to longevity in the business is uh having diverse interests and tastes. Um and I think that, that can be developed just by exploring. You know, I meet a lot of people and they start a band and they're like, you know, this band is gonna sound like Motorhead meets uh Judas Priest or something like that. And that's great. You know, I love those bands, but there's only so much kind of space you can play with that. And unless you allow yourself to <clears throat> you know to, to grow from there and to expand, um then you're gonna you're going to burn out pretty quick like i think it's totally fine for you know especially if you start a new band or if you're a teenager starting out or something to to begin with pastiche you know you can try to rip off your idols at the beginning there's nothing wrong with that i did that i think it's pretty much the only way to start but if you um, are too kind of boneheaded to uh, allow yourself to appreciate music outside of the very specific things you begin with then you're just going to run out of steam we love tons of kinds of music i've been on a huge soul and motown kick we love you know shoegaze and Punk and goth and progressive and you know classical and jazz and blues and you know whatever. There's very few genres of music that we are not interested in. Uh you know, we've we've all got, you know, we've got pretty big record collections, not expensive stuff, but just (coughs) weird stuff. We pick up something that looks cool or you recognize the players on it. So I think the, the key to longevity is just to always be finding new um new little nooks and crannies of music that you can get inspired by. There's so much out there. If you allow yourself to be open-minded, you'll never be bored.
0: Absolutely. And right now, in the metal genre, we have subgenres of genres.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do a lot of metal.
0: I interviewed a uh a death metal rap band from Russia uh last cool. year.
1: Wow. So I like the kind of uh the area we seem to be in now where you know, it's very postmodern. It's like almost anything goes. There's, you know, there's there's still some gatekeepers. There always will be. And, you know, I'm not necessarily, argue, um, you know, arguing that you should just like cram disparate parts together in a way that doesn't make sense. You know, I think you you have to, it's important to serve the, you know, the atmosphere of the song or the band. Like we're not going to, you know, just like stick a, you know, like a ska section in the middle of a spell song or something like that, because it, it, sure. it wouldn't be cohesive to me. But But I'm all for taking the, You know, taking parts from other genres that wouldn't necessarily uh, appear in a specific genre and finding ways to, you know, to include inspiration from that in a way that is cohesive.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Another question based on them lines I wanted to ask you is, what do you feel is the best uh, advice you've been given along your path?
1: Good question. The best advice I've been given. I don't know if I'm thinking of a good answer to that right away. Uh, I, I don't know that we've received a lot of advice, to be honest. Um, heck. Or, <laughs> it, I mean, or maybe some... if
0: I could put it this way. Sure. If, sure. if if I was a new band and I said, hey, um, I want to give this a go, what would what would be a piece of advice that you would give me?
1: Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. I guess. Th- th- so one of the lessons that I feel like it's taken me a long time to learn is, um, to, you know, write music that serves the song. Don't try to play flashy. Don't try to, you know, don't try to show off in your playing, Sh- show off in your songs, not in your playing. No one, no one cares if there's like a super fancy guitar solo, but if the song is catchy, everyone's going to groove to it. Everyone's going to listen. Everyone's going to dance. Uh, you know, you, you, don't have to try to sing the highest note or play the fastest, or anything like that. There's always going to be someone faster than you or, or whatever. But if you can write a song that is just exciting, and if you can write lyrics that people are going to identify with, then I think that's how you get to people. At least that's what that's what I enjoy hearing in music.
0: I wanted to ask you about the music scene in your area. How
1: is it? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's of course, it's been a little dead for the last couple of years. But to be honest, within the last, you know, I don't know, five, six months, it seems to be having a a pretty cool renaissance the last few shows i've been to it's like there's this whole new generation of kids that are suddenly coming out and man it's it's awesome to see especially like the last few shows i've been to it's like there's all these young people and they look so goddamn cool like it, it's as though they you know maybe before the covid pandemic they were too young to go to bars or go to shows or whatever and so they just spend their time on the internet like looking at pictures of really yeah. cool looking bands and so they were just like they just thought that that's, you know, how it is. Like, if you're looking at pictures of like, cool looking goths from the, and, and then you just you figure f- you're supposed to dress that way. And so everyone's out at shows just looking like the biggest badasses in the universe. And I'm like, what is this Mad Max or some shit?
0: Like, <laughs>
1: I go out to shows, I'm like, holy crap, I gotta step up my game. Like, I, <laughs> I, I thought I could dress myself okay, but not compared to these kids, you know? So it's been super fun, like going out to shows lately, just in the last few months and seeing them like jam packed, even on like a weeknight. And uh, everyone looks cool as hell. And there's there's new bands popping up everywhere. You know, a lot of the venues here died over over COVID. They, they, you know, couldn't maintain the rent or whatever. So, But there's been some new kind of punk spots popping up. And, oh, man, it's just a ton of fun. I'm loving going to shows, Lily.
0: And uh, I also wanted to ask you, what would you feel has been your proudest moment in your career?
1: I mean, some of the emails I've gotten from people who enjoy our music, are just really heartwarming like it's hard to imagine you know obviously the music is really important to me but when someone you know sends me a message and tells me how it's like you know been so influential to them or got them through a difficult point in their life or something like that it just it's it's i mean it's just hard to believe but beyond that also like when we when we've toured uh and we go somewhere like you know some tiny town in germany or something like that where i've never some town i've never heard of before and we go on stage and there's just a pile of kids in the front row, like screaming along the lines that I wrote uh, mm-hmm. into my face. Like, man, that is just, it's just, it's just hard to believe.
0: I also wanted to ask you if you could uh, tell me how your musical career started. At what age um, did you get into music?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so so our parents um, didn't really like play much music when we were growing up. You know, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus or anything, but they definitely didn't have record collections, really, or, or you know, have favorite bands or anything like that. So it wasn't really until uh, <clears throat> I remember being in, I think, the fourth or fifth grade, and I got in one of my friend's cars, and uh, his mom put on a Dire Straits album, and I heard Walk of Life, and that mm. totally changed my life. I was like, I, I was like, what is this magic? It completely, it totally captured me, and I was like obsessed with it. And, um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I just dove head first and after that, we, we didn't even have a CD player at home or, or even, or a turntable or anything like that. So it took a little while and it was a while before we even got, you know, a computer that could download songs. I mean, at that point, the internet wasn't, I mean, it was around, but it wasn't like, there was no YouTube or anything. right <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it wasn't until a little while later when, when I was, I don't know, in, in the eighth grade or something, you know, 13, maybe that, and I got a little bit of money, got a, you know, got my first little job, you know, side jobs or whatever. And I could go down to the CD store and go through the used section and pick out CDs. And I remember me and Al went down and we got uh, we got a couple of Iron Maiden CDs. I don't even know why we, you know, what drew us to them. Maybe like the cover art or, or some, something about them just was like, you've got to check this out. And so we bought, um, it was peace of mind. And then it was also, it, must, it must've been like right after Brave New World came out because we okay. got peace of mind and Brave New World. And we took them home. And I think I'd asked for a a little CD Walkman for Christmas. And um, that was kind of the moment where everything totally changed. And at that moment, we were both like utterly obsessed with Iron Maiden. And that was an obsession, which has never really ended. (laughs) You know, I don't listen to Iron Maiden nowadays as much as I did back then, but they're still like my all time favorite band.
0: Yeah. One of the, and amazing live as well. Oh
1: God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I also wanted to ask you, um, What's the best way to get merchandise from the band?
1: Well, from us, just to go on Bandcamp, you know, we got a merch store on there. Um, and, you know, and then it shows, of course, uh, you know, but if, but, you know, for for a worldwide audience, it's going to be Bandcamp. That's the only spot. Um, but, you know, we're gonna going to be we'll, going we'll bring some merch to the shows uh, and the festivals we go to and whatnot.
0: And is there an will there be a vinyl edition of this album?
1: Oh yeah. The vinyl editions shipped out already. In fact, Excellent. just today I saw that the vinyl um, was finally starting to arrive uh, all over the world. So I'm like seeing pictures of people posting them on Instagram and stuff. And that's super cool. Cause I haven't even seen a, I haven't held a vinyl copy yet. I mean, I'm, I think ours are on the mail to us, but everything takes a little while longer to get to Canada. So all the Americans and all the Europeans are getting this first. So I'm a little jealous, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's coming out. It's, it's, a uh, we're pretty excited because we got distribution with Metal Blade Records this time. So, excellent. I think I've seen some photos of the record popping up in uh, record stores all over America. So, so I mean, I, I have a pretty good feeling that if you were to go down to your local, moderately well stocked record store, there's a decent chance it would be there. And even if it's not, uh, there's a 99% chance that if you ask them, they can order it in from Metal Blade Records.
0: That's excellent. Yeah. And lastly, I wanted to ask you, if you could give a message to your fans, what would that message be?
1: Sure. Um, If you like the music you hear, whether it's our band or anything else, uh, I feel as though you have an obligation to start your own band, do your damn best. Um, All the art we hear, some, some of it's contemporary, but a lot of it comes from a few years ago or a few decades ago. And before we know it, this you know sounds change and aesthetics and styles change so quickly that if we wait, <laughs> the stuff from a few decades ago will become, you know, become obsolete. You know, if if kids listen to something in twenty years, they won't understand it and identify with it the way that we do right now. So it's our job. It's our we have no choice. It's our obligation to be the the chain link that connects the stuff that we love to the listeners of the future. So you know, even if I'm not, you know, I'm nowhere near as good as Iron Maiden, obviously, but I'm doing my goddamn best. To take what I loved about Iron Maiden and translate it into the best music that I can possibly make, in just the absolute hope that someone else might hear what I am doing and find a little bit of that shimmering gold in it that that I enjoyed so much about what I heard. You know, so I feel it's this—it's a form of translation. We're we're translating forward through time, and um, if you hear music and you love it, then it's your it's your absolute duty to do your best to be a link in that chain. Because if you don't do it, then someone else will do it instead of you. And they'll do a goddamn worse job than you would have done. So uh, so uh, you have no choice. Otherwise, you'll be forever frustrated by the bullshit you hear. <laughs> so start man, a band. Man. Start a heavy metal band or whatever you want. Just get playing music. Release something. These days, it's so easy. Anyone can do it on their computer or phone. Make some music. Contribute. You have to.
0: Absolutely. And spread the word.
1: Spread you know, the word. That's Thank you.
0: One of the reasons I wanted to... uh Speak with you is I wanted to spread the word on this album because I find it amazing from top to bottom.
1: Oh man, I appreciate it so much. We we're really grateful. I mean, we're super proud of it. Um it's the first album that we was made just entirely between me and Al, the brothers. So uh yeah, we we love it.
0: Well, I wanted to thank you for taking time to speak with me, and I hope you'll keep me updated on any new news as it comes, especially about this tour.
1: Yeah, I certainly will. You bet. Uh, and you can always uh, keep keep up for the listeners on our, our Instagram uh, at spell official. And um, thanks for having us, Robert. It's been a real pleasure to, to be on the show and I uh, appreciate your interesting questions.
0: Thank you, my friend. And you have a great rest of your evening.
1: You as well. Good night.
0: Good night. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can sponsor the podcast. Just click that button and you can be a member of the family. And remember, Come see me for a fix.